Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's Sales Talk Podcast. Diving deep into the world of sales and entrepreneurship by interviewing top leaders and influencers from around the world so you can overcome obstacles and achieve success. And now, here's your host, international best-selling author and business expert, Anthony Garcia. Catapulted Commissions family. What's up, team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulted Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Family, I got a treat for you today. As you know, we go around and we're, we, one, we reach out to guests. Two, we have a lot of guests reaching out to be on the show. And when you run a show, and we've been going on our fourth year, you get a variety of guests, variety of backgrounds. And one of the things that I look for when I, I reach out to a guest is, hey, is this person making a difference in their space? Is this person making a difference in the art of sales? Like, bottom line, can this person teach somebody something? And I found a gem. I call it a diamond in the rough. Let me tell you about my guest today. My, def- my guest today is Estefa Campo. She is based out of Miami. She's the founder of BU Selling, which she's empowering women to enter their true feminine independent era by teaching them the skills to be successful in sales and in business. I'm excited to have her on the show. We're going to break down what she does, what that means, and uh, hopefully you guys will do me a big favor at the end. Go get connected and follow up with Estefa. Welcome to the show, my friend. I'm glad to have you here. So I will say this. I first was introduced to you maybe months ago, maybe eight, nine months ago when I first found your page. And so I find people's pages that are in this space. And I'm like, okay, is this person authentic? Or are they not? And I'll tell you what, big compliment, my friend. You're incredibly authentic with what you do. So why don't we tell the Catapulted Commissions family a little bit about your background, and we'll kind of run from there. Oh, um, so um, I'm in sales. I've been in sales for the last 10 years. The, um, I actually have a professional selling degree from FSU, so that's how I came across selling. Uh, it's actually a pretty story. Um, I wanted to do finance, and I've Numbers were not my thing. So I took a personality test and I, based on that, I just, the personality test said it was, I can either be a comedian or an actress or a sales rep. So, (laughs) so I'm like, well, kind of too late for comedian and actress. So I'm going to go for sales. And I took one selling class from FSU. And from there, I loved it. And I majored in selling. Uh, professional selling and my first job was down here in Miami selling custom suits for men to men and I got into the medical sales industry about eight years ago so truly sales background um b2b b2c and I love it man so one I have heard about schools that have professional selling as a college degree now catapulting Mr. family if you don't know this there's certain universities in America that offer a professional selling degree. Not all universities do. And as someone who used to recruit sales reps out of colleges or would I think at this point, I think I've viewed 2000, 3000 resumes. Those that have that professional selling, I will say this as a former person who would hire people with six figure salaries. If they had a decent resume, they got an interview based because a lot of people who sell, it's like their default. Like I fell into this. You chose this, Estefa. So, so yeah. 
<laughs> so tell me something here. So you chose this 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 career in sales. You're jumping in. The show's called Catapulted Commissions, where we're teaching small business owners and high executive salespeople essentially how to enhance and increase their commissions. Mm-hmm. You started. But now you stood with it for so long. Tell me a little about your, like, what are the things that have happened and have kept you in sales for 10 years? I mean, I got to be honest with you, the tenure of a salesperson isn't 10 years. Not a lot of people can handle that. So tell me some, yeah. of, the, tell me some of the successes and the highlights that kept you going. So um, definitely, like, having that degree has uh, made me a lot uh, be more ahead of the game than anyone else. Um, so I had the skills, uh, learned the skills, how to t- ask questions with the spin method. So that brought me a lot of success of how to connect with clients, how to ask the right questions. And based on that, um, I, ha- I was having a lot of success. And what kept me it was the fact that I was making enough money to support myself, support my family. And little by little, every single year, it got better and better and better. Um, obviously, sales is a hard career. But one thing that it resonates with me is that if you have a good purpose, if you have a good mindset and a good why of what you do in this, um, it sells becomes easier, comfortable, and then it, it's actually a very fun career. So my success has always kept me in the game of selling. Yeah, you I'll tell you this. You have a high income skill like push yeah. come to shove tomorrow. Something happened to your company. Something happened in your life. You're like, I have to move, and I'm not going to discredit anybody. But let's say you have to move from Miami to Bismarck, North Dakota. Now, if you're from Bismarck, listen to me. I'm not knocking your city. But let's say you move from Miami to Bismarck, North Dakota. You're like, you don't have a network. You don't know anybody. Bismarck doesn't look like Miami. Doesn't look like Los Angeles. You have a you have a skill that you own that would give you in an industry, any industry, where you can make a lot of money, and that's powerful. So you mentioned something about spin. I want to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about your that that background with your professional selling degree, and then I want to jump into kind of kind of what I would call the meat and potatoes. Like you have some messages that you share online for women who are trying to excel in this space. So I definitely don't want to not get to that. But mm-hmm. in the professional selling degree, did you guys go over all different sales methodologies, or was it just spin, or like like what was that process like? And this is a genuine, authentic question. Like I've every time I've met somebody who had a professional selling degree, I was interviewing them for like a job. So I wasn't going to ask them these questions, but now I have you yeah. here. So we're going to ask what, like, what did you learn? So, um, it's actually three main classes. The first class is just the basic professional selling in which you learn like the background and the psychology of each buyer. So you have your dominant buyers, you have your legit logical buyers and you time, you try to understand the, like what each person or what the sentence or what type of like verbiage they use to identify that type of buyer. Um, so it's a lot of like psychology behind it. The first, the first one for you to identify and tailor your message based on that buyer's like um, psychology. Okay. The second is just the, um, which is the, the, the method, which is the spin. So you only study spin. So you study like your situational questions, you study your problem questions, your implications and that payoff and how to handle objections. So that's a whole semester of just um, teaching you based on a company. So actually companies go and sponsor the sales uh, institute and for one semester 
you study one company, you're selling that company, and you're spinning and doing all this methodology based on that company. So the company was Tom James, which is the company that ended up hiring me at the end of um, my career of my college uh, degree. And then the other big company is AP Payroll. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of like, um, they also invest a lot of like talent from those sales schools. So in one semester, you focus on selling AP payroll and how to tailor questions based on their services. And then the other one, uh, the last class is sales management. So how to become a good manager after. So I I think all three of those things are incredibly important, right? Understanding the psychology Mm of your buyer, your consumer, definitely agree with that. Sales management, we've talked in depth on the show that, that I would even argue as a sales rep that moves into sales management, people management is typically harder than most people anticipate. Like I, I very rarely come to a new manager of like, how's your first year going? Like, it was amazing. Like, you get your teeth kicked in because it's definitely a different skill set. Um, and spin. Let's talk here. I love, <laughs> I love a lot of. That's that's a lie. I don't love all sales methodologies. There's a few that I do love. Spin is one of the one that I'm pretty fond of. Um, there's other mm-hmm. sales methodologies out there that uh, I don't think are applicable with today's modern consumer. And there's other methodologies out there that I think are just regurgitated versions of someone else's. Um, and I and as we go, because I'm gonna ask you questions, and we are connected on social media, we're not gonna name any other methodologies uh, by the founders, mm-hmm. right? So like we're I just right. keep. We don't talk bad about others, but I am going to tell you this about spin. I have one problem with spin and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So, okay. so spin, right? Your S questions are a situation. Mm-hmm. How, my belief, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. My belief uh-huh. when I'm working with the cons- with a potential client and I'm going through the spin methodology of question, mm-hmm. should I spend my time asking situational questions that I can get the answers to in advance online? No. So the method teaches that, and that's exactly what it says is like the least successful reps are the ones who ask too much situational questions because you do not want to ask questions that are obvious. Um, And then things that you can find online are obvious. And that's how you lose your client's uh, interest. Because if you go in by asking all these questions that are obvious um it's it kind of like puts the buyer into um kind of like well you kind of you could have googled this <laughs> so um it definitely uh, puts you not in an expert or not in a level of like you know what you're talking about so the whole spin is the less situational questions you could ask the better um if you could confirm some things you can be like well i saw on your website that you do this and this it does bring you a higher perspective like oh you actually search about me you're interested in what i do so that's how you confirm situationals and then you go straight into your problem okay i see you use this or um you're being using how is that going is there any issues or any concerns that you want to talk about so the less situational questions you ask the better spoken like a true professional i 100 (laughs) love what you're sharing there the reason i say that is i see a lot of social media sales trainers talk about spin and they just throw the situational questions. And without that context that you just added, like I've observed sales calls that people said, hey, can you review? And I'm like, why are you asking all these questions? Like, I don't even know this person. 
But watching this call and hearing the name, I Googled them and I answered 95% of them within three minutes. So I, I love what you're, what you're sharing. They're like, I, you know, one of the things that I, I summarize my situational questions in one phrase, and it'll be something like this. Steph, just to be clear, sure we're on the same page. You've been with XYZ company for 20 years. You have 20 employees, blah, blah, blah. Am, am I right? Yeah, great. That's it. That's my whole situational question. And then for problem, I'm always like, this is my favorite. I always just tell somebody, hey, man, it depends. Either if they accepted a meeting because we outreached or they reached out to us to book a meeting. I'm like, hey, what prompted you to accept or book this meeting? That's it. Open-ended question. And that, that, that approach, when executed, does, does wonders. Now, let me, let me ask you this. You work in an industry right now. And you have experience calling on different customers from somebody wanting to buy a suit to high level uh, medical professionals to people making decisions. Do you ever have to adapt your style to the type of consumer? And if you do, like what changes are you looking to make? Like, how do you know when it's time to make that change? And do you make changes sometimes that put you in a position where you're like, hey, this isn't my best style. I'm not comfortable. Or you just kind of stick to true to who you are when you're selling. So you have to learn the skill of who you're sitting in front of and tailor your pitch to that person. So you definitely have to um, have some cues of like, for example, like your type A individuals are not going to be the same way that you pitch your office managers. I mean, we all come across like the mid-level office manager that a lot of people feel that she can make the decision, but she does not make the decision is your actual decision maker. so the way that I talk to the decision maker is not the same way that I talk to the office manager. Um, and then the great thing about sales is that when you keep doing this, you, you're selling the same stuff for years, you start to notice a pattern within people. Like the doctors are somewhat the same pattern, same mentality. So you kind of like adjust. They're very logical. Um, so you kind of adjust uh, your pitch. You're not going to ask a lot of questions. You're going to tell them what to do. All right. <laughs> So, so it's, it's, you definitely have to tailor. And then the more you, you, you kind of like sharpen your, your craft, the more you're going to understand that, um, that industry, they're very similar. Like, for example, it's funny, like your cardiologist are not the same as your rheumatologist uh, or your dermatologist. They all share some equal traits and then you tailor your pitch based on their traits and their psychological and the way that they receive information. Oh, I love that you said that. I would tell people <laughs> all the time uh, when I worked in medical, I would call on general surgeons, uh, bariatric surgeons, trauma surgeons, plastic surgeons, and each one of them had their unique individual personalities. Like you knew what, like it was just, it was when you share that with someone who's outside the industry, like there's no way I'm like, oh yeah, like it's definitely a different, com- outside of the doctor in front, there's no similarities, nothing they don't like the same thing. They don't think the same thing. They have different problems. Um, but yeah, so I, I love the ability you're sharing here when, when you're adapting, right. And you're, and you're moving this, the sales process. So you guys we're listening right now, Steph Acampo trained sales professional. She's studied this as a skill and I'm gonna make an assumption here. Do you still study? Do you still find ways to improve? Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, and you, as a as a tenure and as a ten year rep, you definitely have to always study and sharpen your your pencil. And the good thing is, uh, as you become like a good rep, 
they, you start training other people too. So you go back to the beginning. You go back to your basics. You always have to go back to your basics. Um, and that's always like learning. Maybe I should, I mean, not every, not everyone has a hundred percent closing rate. So what I could have done here, oh shoot, I messed up. Maybe I should have done this. And some other people also have better ways to do stuff. So you're always learning. You're always, um, and then people are changing too. Like the, not on today's world, people are more educated than ever, right? So because they're more educated, obviously your pitch has to be more of a high level consultative (laughs) approach uh, rather than rather than before it used to be like oh this is why we're good this is what we're better so as we as 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 time progress i think like even spin becomes more valuable because it's a more of a consultative approach rather than shove it down your throat yeah the whole the whole shove it down your throat approach and mantra is really really frustrating like there are uh there are active sales trainers, training companies, sales influencers that are still on this high pressure, hardcore close. Some are celebrities. Some are, you may have heard of before. I am not a fan of that approach and I've made videos about it. I've talked about it. I've, I've been got hate mail about it. I have no problem saying that some of these approaches no longer are applicable. And I love how you're saying you have to adapt, right? As a tenured rep and you're always continuing education. I believe who we're selling to, right? And you and I were talking before this on the air. I always think mm-hmm. like in 10 to 15 years, would my daughter buy this from me? Right. And I'm like, like, am, am I, are my skills going with the consumers that are coming up? So speaking of skills, you made a reference online and this is what caught my eye. So here, here, here's, here's a secret catapulting business family. Stefan made a reference online and she said, ladies, there has, and she shared a colleague of mine who, who's a, re, a really well-known sales trainer. And, you know, I, I agree with some of his stuff, disagree with some of his stuff, but I have tons of respect for the man. She made a statement that along the, something along the lines of there has to be more women training and teaching the skill of sales because men kind of teach it their way and it doesn't always adapt. Something along those lines. Is that kind of making sense? Yeah. All right. Help me understand. What do you mean by that? So, I mean, just as a basic concept, I feel men and women were totally different. The way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we get motivated. So it only makes sense that the way that we sell is completely different than what men sell. Now, another thing is that as a a woman, uh, we're not attracted to that aggressive, competitive environment. That's not how we're wired. And mostly we're motivated by not the money factor. I mean, obviously we want to be successful. We want to make money, but most women are motivated by the self-development, be better uh, factor. So how do you motivate yourselves, women, into being a top performer? And that's why that aggressive, competitive, I'm better than, I'm better, like, uh, kind of like the approach of like, oh, let me see if I have time for you. It's not an approach that women resonate with. Um, we want to have more of a consultative, like we trying to listen to the client and that's why statistically women close more sales than men because we're more into, yes, it's actually proven that <laughs> women have a better closing rate than men because it's proven that we have the more consultative approach. We listen more and we actually tailor that solution to the, what the client actually needs, what's what 
works in today's sales world. So um, I think like as my approach to the selling game is as long as you build that individual first, you uniqueness of what makes you special, how is it that you uh, as a person, you can tailor your own strategy to you and learn some basic selling skills. Like it's the world is yours. You can just go wherever and be successful. I will tell you what I, <laughs> for those of you that are listening to the audio, right? When, when Stefan made the statement that women close more than men, like my eyes were like, wait a minute. Right. Cause I, I'm not going to, I'm a pretty good salesperson. Like I, I have a really, really good track record. So as you said that, I'm like, wait a minute. The competitive side of me is like, bullshit, no way. Like I, but as the way you explain it, yeah, I mean, I could see that. And this is, I built a sales team in a medical industry, which is dominant male. And my team that I built had 90% women on it and they kicked ass. And it it's never, and it wasn't talking bad about the male reps. So here's where I don't, I don't have the data catapulting this assembly. So I'm gonna make a, a assumption here. There are more bad male, male sales reps than women, because my opinion is there's an ego involved, right? A hundred percent. Men are, men are typically more egotistical than women. And it's humbling for someone to tell you, hey, you're doing a really bad job. Hey, that doesn't work. And let that person that's telling you there are men that exist, don't want to hear it from a female, don't want to hear it from someone who's younger than them. But it's the truth. You have to hear it. So don't know if that's – I'm not going to dis <laughs> disagree with that statement, but kudos to you. I'm, I'm impressed. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, we, we're definitely yeah. going to highlight that because that's fun as shit. I don't, I, I'm sure someone's going to say – otherwise but all right so you also mentioned that women are motivated by different things and as you were sharing this i can't help but think right i look at the women in my life and i look at the women in my life and it's funny right when it comes to being motivated by money it's different because it's not you're absolutely right you said like um you know you, you want to build like this this de personal development i always look at it through the lens of like a level of independence, right? Like, like I, I tell my daughter yeah. right now, like, hey, you are never going to be in a position to rely on somebody. You're going to make this work, whatever you choose to do, completely independent on your own. And your life partner is going to be in addition, not a, not a, a source. So I dig it. Yeah. So, all right. Women want things training a little bit different. So tell me, if I am a male sales manager or a male small business owner, because you do have small business owners who are listening to the show, mm -hmm. and I hire a female sales rep, how do I get the most out of them? So first of all, you have to understand what their strengths and their weaknesses are. So what I used to be a sales manager myself, the first thing that I did, I kind of like did like a personality test on that person, like the 16 personality, can it, like the NTPs and mm -hmm. um, the... I forgot the name, but the Briars. Myers-Briggs. Uh, yes. So I kind of do like a personality test because as a manager, it also tells you what the type of person is. It tells you their weakness, their strengths. 
So you have it on paper. Obviously, not everything is 100% right, but it's some something like so you can guide yourself into like, how am I going to motivate this person? This person responds well to to like, like, you know, being like, oh, you're not doing a good job or criticism where this person does not like criticism whatsoever. So that personality test is going to at least give you like a good roadmap of how you're going to motivate this person. So I always do that first. The second is, um, okay, as women, we want to be motivated, not just by money. We definitely want to do a self-development. Then I write down, what are your goals? What are you, what's your true purpose here? Right. And that's where I think like the connection as a woman it's easier because women usually spill more emotion than than men. So when I have my female rep, it's like, okay, what are your goals here? They would be like, I want to do this. I want to be able to support my family. I want to be able to, you know, travel. I want to go to Paris. Um, guys will be like, I want to make money. But there's always an underlying thing of like, why do you want to make money? They usually do not share that. Women do. So women, I want to go to Paris. I want to support my family. I want to you know, like one of my goals when I was a younger rep is like, I want to take my mom to Paris because I think it's one of her favorite cities. So we write down her goals and that's where our accountability is. That's your main purpose. And that's why I believe like if you define that purpose first with the rep, then you say, hey, like I'm not, I'm getting rejected. Uh, I'm getting, I'm not getting in front of people. I'm like, who cares? Like, this is your purpose. This is what you can control. And then that rejection becomes way less because your desire to get what you want to go, it's higher than the rejection. So you definitely want to put that down. It's like, what's, what's, what, what are her goals for the future? And then you want to teach him some like selling skills, right? I mean, the thing is like, and there's actually a statistic as well, that 52% of all college students, all of them, no matter their major, their first job out of college is in sales. So all these people are going into a sales job without even getting any training. So that's why the average rep lasts two years in their job. So what you want to do is you want to teach some basic, like how to, how to answer, how to ask questions. And my, for my experience, my reps, I never give them a script because everybody's different. What might work for me? I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat pushy, mm -hmm. but some other person might not feel like I can't say this. Like, I don't want to be pushy. So what I did for them I wrote down a map, kind of like a blueprint of how do they actually get, gain control of that meeting. Even though you, I'm not going to write down every single question you're going to ask, but I'm going to teach you how to gain control of a meeting. So you're always on the driver's seat, no matter what happens. So that's the perfect selling skill. And then just ask for the close. So by teaching women, guiding them into what their purpose are, basic selling skills, and give them the best strategy to get in front of people, I mean, you'll have a top rep. Oh, man. Spoken like a true <laughs> top rep. You are a top rep, right? I'm not going to toot your horn or your accolades, but, you know, I did the cyber stalking, looked you up on LinkedIn, saw you celebrating your, your, your prestige and your experience. So it's, for lack of better words, catapultic missions family, Estefan's the real deal. Like, there's people who, like, go out and talk about selling, and there's people who actually do selling. And... It's the reason I reached out to you, like 100%. I'm like, you're actively doing this. You're talking about it. And I love it. I love, because correct me if I'm wrong, I can spot mm -hmm. instantly on social media if someone's truly a salesperson or they're a good social media actor. Like, it, it, it's an instant notification for me. I'm like, oh, you're not really doing this. Like, because when you're out in the field and where you're making sales calls or you're having discovery calls or you're getting rejection, like, you're always learning something, like always. So 
I love that approach on, on on what you're saying. Let's get the most, how to get the most out of your female reps and, and how to develop a top performer. So your discussion on scripts, not agreeing mm-hmm. to scripts because everybody has a different personality, different style. Talking about this roadmap you're creating, is this something like I'm, I'm trying to like guide the conversation in a certain direction? Am I, what am I trying to extract? So like if I come to you and I'm not a female, right? But if I come to you and I'm like, hey, I need help. What's the roadmap yeah. going to look like for me? Like, how do we get that? So the roadmap is going to be okay. So first question, obviously, what do you sell? So let's say um, for, in my experience, I was a manager for a UPS reseller, okay. right? So we're selling into your small businesses that are trying to ship and you're competing, competing with FedEx. So what is you, by taking control of that conversation with that shipping manager, or that business owner. So the first thing that you do is, you will tell them because a lot of people feel scared of asking a lot of questions, right? I think like that's one thing that people feel like back to when we were talking about spin, mm-hmm. how people talk about like situational questions. One thing, the reason why they ask so many situational questions is because they feel like they have to ask something. And they also feel that they have nothing else to say and they're losing control of, uh, over the call. So the way that you do kind of like, gain control of that call for the whole entirety as you actually are going to tell that person, Hey, I'm going to ask you a few questions so I can see how we can best fit and how I can help you. And after that, I can show you what I have by saying that you're opening up the person to like, okay, she's going to ask me questions and you're having control of during the whole conversation of discovery of what, how you can help that person by simply telling them, this is what I'm going to do. So in my world, I call it a doctor's approach. Because like, just as you go to a doctor, simple analogy, they don't say, hey, I have this medicine and this other medicine. They're going to say, I'm going to ask you a few questions. You have a stomach pain. Tell me how that feels, how that went. And then they tell you, I'm going to do this first. And then you're prepared to like open up. And then we can say how we can take care of you. So that's how you gain control and the roadmap of the conversation. Now, for my reps, I wrote them like a genetic question. And then you take it from there, right? So like say like, okay, so you currently use FedEx. Like, has it any been any issues or any concerns that you uh, that you want to address? Have uh, if if in a perfect world, what would you have them do? And then you 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 let them talk. And then how does that affect your business? How did that affect your your bottom line? Or how did that affect into like your right? So it's like it's mostly like those key words of guiding the conversation. And whatever that person says, you have the roadmap of the key word. Of like, okay, I should go here, I should go. So instead of me asking, having like a gen- like a question written out, what did you do when you did this? I'm giving you keywords of like, this is what you do whenever that person, to guide the person into like, okay, well, this is your need. This is how it affects you. And this is how my product. So it's mostly like key bombs, mm-hmm. right? Like little, like, like the bomb game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're leaving somebody with triggers, right? Like here's what you're- Exactly, like a little trigger, yeah. Okay. So we come through, you're setting the agenda, we're finding the pain points and you give some generic questions like, Hey, here's a potential question that you may want to ask, but it's not the question written in stone. Is that kind of my understanding? No, 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 not a question. Because again, we're all like the way that, and and one thing that I always want to resonate with people, the way that I talk is not the same way that you speak also to a client. So if we might have the same meeting at the same time and we might have a completely different result if I go and then if you go, because we might 
ask a different question with the tonality is different, the way that the person perceives us is different. So we're all different creatures, and also the buyers as well. So in that sense, having like a trigger, I was like, trigger, like this is how you're going to control that call by having the and by having this roadmap of like the type of questions you're going to ask. Obviously, if it's written in stone and someone else answers completely different, then you're stuck, right? You're like, oh, wait, you should have, you, you, you had to answer this. I was waiting for this answer, but you went the other way. So how do I now navigate this? Especially younger reps too, like they get stuck if you give them a script, because if that person doesn't answer the way that the script goes, then you have a stock rep that is just now bumbling and trying to figure out how to take back the control of that call. The most important thing is that you have to have control on that call. You're always on the driver's seat, no matter what happens. Yeah. Catapultic Mission Family, be sure to take that in. Rewind if you have to hear that again, because having that control is incredibly important. I love how you break it down. And the script, one of the things you're, you're referencing is if you get stuck with the, the script, like I found new reps or when reps get nervous and this goes for industry agnostic. So if you're a small business and, and you're selling your services or you're a rep, how even myself, I got to be honest with you, when, when, when I launched my company and the first few potential clients I had and had big names, right? There were big companies, big RFPs that I was involved in. I'm like, uh, I'm sticking to, I'm like, dude, this is not even who you are. Like, so that script sometimes can be a crutch, right? Because it makes you, it gives you this false sense of security. Um, so I, I love how you're breaking that down. So we're coming up here. We got a few minutes left on the show and I want to gain an understanding on the BU selling. So you are actively posting content on a daily basis, right? And, and we, we have stuff as uh, social media links and all that fun stuff down in the show notes, but you're actively posting stuff. You're actively teaching stuff. And I'm saying this out loud, Catapultic Commission's family, her stuff's good. It's authentic. It is, <laughs> it is, it is good. And so when I tell people I find a diamond in a rough, and I see other people who are influential and thought leaders with 240,000 followers that aren't as good. I'm like, no, we're going to build up the community of people who are authentic. And that's why Steph was here. So tell me, BU Selling, how do you help people in this space? So I empower women through the power of persuasion. I believe that women have that born talent. We're natural born persuasion masters, I call it. And it's because like when I said earlier is that we have the talent, the natural abilities to persuade and also to connect and find and close more deals. So we should use that into our advantage. And that puts us ahead of the game to be more successful in sales and in business. So the BU selling is helping women discover their purpose, that daily drive that's going to make you uh, go out and call and be rejected, but you know that by just controlling that, you're going to be successful. So the BU selling is um, helping women find that purpose, also helping them and teaching the basic selling skills of how to control that call and have always control of that meeting, and also finding the best strategy to obviously closing that meeting. For example, I'm not a huge believer of cold calling. I think networking and referrals are the best way to go. So helping women how to ask for a good referral, how to feel comfortable, how to network, no matter their industry is. So the BU selling is tailoring their strategy, their selling strategy to that woman, building up the woman first, the confidence, and then teaching them selling skills for them to be successful in their job, which will translate success in their personal life. So it's a tailored strategy 
per person instead of having a script. That's why it's called BU Selling. Uh, BU Selling, Esteva Campo. That is fire. Ladies, if you are listening to this and you're like, hey, man, maybe I'm struggling. Maybe I need a kick in the butt or something like that. Definitely reach out with Estefa because I believe that approach that you just shared right now, like we like, we rise together. Like I I get frustrated when I see the the sales training and the, the business influence community like battle one another or discredit one another, even though, you know, there's things I agree with, things I disagree with. But as a whole, as an industry, we get better when we work together. So if you're listening right now, hopefully you're not listening to the show saying I'm too good to have a coach, a consultant, someone to help me out because you, I don't think you'd be listening to the show if that was you. But if you find yourself in that position, definitely reach out to Estefa. So uh, how does, like, what are the social media links? How does, how does the Catapultic Commission's family find you? How do they get connected to you? Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm active a lot on Instagram. So you can reach out to me. It's simple, Estefa Campo. Um, and you can also reach out to me on LinkedIn, Estefania Campo. Um, but those are my two major, uh, channels that I post. I post a lot of like tips, little quick tips that as a, as, as a tenure rep, you learn that a lot of people might not know how to get in front of the right person or how to talk to, how to influence here, how to influence that. So tips that I learned along the way, and obviously the mentorship program of how I want to help empower women to enter that true feminine, independent air and freedom that we spoke about that we all women crave. Love it. Catapult Commissions family, go get connected with Estefa Campo on Instagram and Estefania Campo on LinkedIn. You'll find those links down below in the show notes. And here is my future pacing guest. I believe, personally, Estefa Campo is going to be much bigger in the next couple of years. She's not going to be a micro-influencer. You'll follow her. You'll see exactly why. So now I have to ask and hold you hostage. Will you come back on the show in a couple of years when you're big and famous? Of course. All right. I'm, you know, I'm a whole, like, literally, we record this, we snippet it. You, you know, if you get too big, you have an assistant, they're going to get this in their inbox. Like, hey, she said this. I know this was many years ago, but we're coming back. We're cashing that check. So glad to have you today. Agree to come back on the show. Estefa, we wish you nothing but abundant success. I am, I'm excited you took the opportunity to spend time with us on the show. I'm excited to see what your business does and grow. If the Catapultic Commissions family could ever be of assistance, be sure to reach out to us. Now, it's that time of the show, family. You guys know what to do. Do me a favor. Smash that like button. Be sure to subscribe. Comment. Let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear your thoughts. If you don't want to comment, shoot me a DM. Do women close more sales than men? Like, let's just be real here. Like, I think, I mean, that's a really good question. Do women close more sales than men? Stefa says the stats, the, the data says so. My face was like BS. And maybe it's just, and then again, I'm going to talk about men have ego. And I'm just saying you can't beat me. but. They're, they're literally falling victim live as I'm recording. So maybe she's right. Do women sell more than men? Comment, let me know. Estefa, thanks for being on the show, my friend. And Catapult Technicians family, love you guys. I'll see you all on the very next episode. Thanks for listening to the Catapulting Commission's Sales Talk Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Anthony Paul Garcia. Until next time.